Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Today we are continuing a series that we started last week called To My Friend Who Left the Faith. Just by a show of hands, how many of you would say that you have friends in your lives that are a little skeptical when it comes to Jesus, church, and Christianity? Probably all of us, right? How many, here's another one. How many of you, you were skeptical when it came to faith, Jesus? And I'm not gonna ask you if you're still skeptical because I don't wanna put you on the spot. But if you are, I want you to know you are in a great church because there's a ton of skeptics in this room. (laughs) There's a ton of people who are trying to figure out, is God real? Can I trust him with my life? We open up scripture and wonder, is it relevant for us today? So what we're doing over these weeks leading into Easter Sunday is we're looking at reasons why people maybe hold off or walk away from Jesus. And last week, didn't Joe Coyote do a tremendous job walking us through hypocrisy? I mean, it was just so encouraging and challenging that we are called to remember the grace that God has shown us. Well, today I have a much easier topic to bring up uh, than hypocrisy. And before I share this topic, I want to start here. I want to be sensitive as we explore this topic together this morning, Uh, meaning I don't know every single one of you, and I certainly don't know the degree to which you have undoubtedly experienced what we are going to talk about today. And so I start here by saying, if we can come together and not debate one another in your mind for the next 30 minutes, I believe that would be a beautiful thing. I am not going to stand here removed from you by proximity or from your story and just say, you know what, it's okay. Uh, Because this topic this morning is not okay. This is a very heavy topic that all of us experience in varying degrees. In fact, this week, I walked through this topic in a great way with families in our church. So I want to start there as we dive into the topic to say, this is heavy. I don't anticipate that in 30 minutes, we are going to find freedom and healing, and it's all going to be okay. And it's going to be as if it never happened. Um, This is the start of a journey, I believe today for us. So today we are talking about the topic of suffering, suffering. And the question that comes up when it comes to skepticism around Christianity is this one, which maybe you've asked, how can a good God allow so much pain and suffering? Anyone ever thought that before or asked that before? Probably all of us, if we're honest. Or you know people who have asked this question. If God's so good, then why is the world so bad? If God is so powerful, then why doesn't he stop? pain, evil, and suffering. And I want to say for you, I I don't know. For some of us in this space, you have lost family members to cancer, to disease, and you wrestle through this. Why did God take them? If he could stop it, why didn't he? To others, you've lost family members or friends through heinous acts of murder. And we wonder, where was God in that? Some of you have suffered at the hands of injustice because of your skin color, because of your language. 
we ask, where's God in that? Like this kind of hits all of us in varying degrees. So as we approach this this morning, here's my prayer for us today. It's that we would see that Christianity, the message of Jesus, may offer us the best response when it comes to the topic of suffering. We'll explore other worldviews this morning. We'll kind of dive into, well, what else could we believe when it comes to evil, pain, and suffering? And, and I want to just maybe invite you to consider maybe Christianity, maybe the Christian message, maybe Jesus offers us the best response when it comes to pain, evil, and suffering. So here we are. It's my friend who left the faith. And last week we had hypocrisy and today we have suffering. And next week we're gonna explore, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Again, another easy topic to uncover, right? Uh, as we lead into Resurrection Sunday. As I was thinking through this message, and I am gonna use scripture because this is a church. So hello, we're in church. We're gonna read from scripture. And if you maybe lean more intellectually or have entered into conversations around this, there's a term for this that I wanna acknowledge called circular reasoning, which means when you use the text to prove the text, I'm aware that I'm doing that, okay? So uh, please don't debate me in this case, but we are gonna see what the Christian response is when it comes to suffering and that language is intentional. I'll explain why in a minute. But I was praying, just Holy Spirit, uh, there's a lot of verses in the Bible. There's a lot of passages. What do we do with this? Like, where are you leading our church when it comes to pain, evil, and suffering? And I really believe that God was drawing my attention to one singular verse today. And if you know me, you know, I could preach on one verse for a good three hours. So don't you worry. We're, you'll get your money's worth today, okay? But we're, we're gonna read one verse. We'll have a couple of supporting verses, but I wanna show you one verse that I believe will give us three truths that are unique to the Christian perspective as it relates to suffering. Sound good? Yeah. All right, here we go. John chapter 16, verse 33. It says this, and this is Jesus speaking. And he says this the night before he will suffer. Keep that in your mind. I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, say in the world, in the world. you will have tribulation. Say tribulation. tribulation. But take part. I have overcome the world. On the night before Jesus will suffer and be crucified, he says these words. Allow me to read them again. John 16, 33. En el mundo tendrás aflicción, pero confianza he vencido al mundo. The words of Jesus. See, we are a beautifully united church, aren't we? Hear the word of God in English and Spanish. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So in this singular verse, I would like to offer to you three truths that Jesus himself says when it comes to suffering. And here's what he says. Everyone suffers. Say that with me. Believers suffer. Believers have hope. I'll say it again altogether. Everyone suffers. Believers suffer. 
believers have hope. So I wanna show you that this is what Jesus is saying when it comes to suffering. Um, I, I offer this to you. It's been posed that Christians need to answer the problem of evil, pain, and suffering. I would suggest this is not a Christian problem. This is a people problem. What I mean by that is it's not fair to say, well, Christians, you have to explain to us why evil, pain, and suffering exists in the world if you believe in God. I would suggest, no, Christians don't have to explain it. Everybody has to explain it. If you're following, what that means is if you're not a follower of Christ today, you still have to deal with evil, pain, and suffering. So your worldview has to respond in some way to evil, pain, and suffering. The burden is not on believers, those who follow Jesus. The burden is on all of us because you today, whether you believe in Christ or not, you already have a reason for evil, pain, and suffering. You're dealing with it in some way. It makes sense? So let me show you just three common ways that we deal with it, especially here in our country. And the first is the new age thoughts around evil, pain, and suffering. So a new age theology says this, or, or ideology rather, evil and suffering don't exist. New age teaching will tell you, okay, evil and suffering don't exist. So if you've heard things like this, it's, it has a lot to do with reframing the situation that somehow you can look at your horrible circumstances and if you can just reframe the bad that you're going to and paint it in a positive light, then you do away with the evil pain and suffering. It might be posed in this way. Well, it's okay that you lost your job. That just means you're gonna get a new one. Look at the silver lining. You try telling that to someone who's trying to provide food for their family and say, it's not a big deal. New Age teaching will tell you that somehow if you will it enough inside of you, you can actually produce the results that you most want. That somehow we were all little gods and we can create our own worlds and go about creating situations and scenarios that best fit us. It puts all the pressure and burden on you to somehow control your circumstances. And if evil, pain, and suffering come, you just reframe it. I don't know. I mean, to me, that just seems a little burdensome, one. So now you have to figure out what this is in a positive way. But also, isn't that a little insensitive in another way? Have you ever had a well-intentioned person tell you it's gonna be okay when you know it is not gonna be okay? I love you trying to comfort me right now, but this is not okay that this person passed away. This is not okay that I'm suffering. This injustice is not okay. But a new age ideology would say just evil doesn't really exist. It's a figment of your mind. After all, aren't we all in the matrix anyway? It's all just codes. It's another ideology for another day. Here's the second one. You know this one, karma. Karma says this. This is how karma responds to evil, pain, and suffering. Suffering is your fault. That's at the heart of a karma teaching. We, we might reframe it and say, well, what comes around goes around. But at the heart of the karma teaching, and this is very prevalent in Hindu and, and Eastern teachings and religions, that somehow if you're experiencing evil, pain, and suffering, you are the one to blame. You caused it. And it, maybe it was in a past life. Maybe it was, it was previous to you. I mean, these are the teachings that surround karma. And, and somehow we internalize this and accept it and say, well, I'm going through this hardship. I must have caused it. 
Isn't that a lot of guilt to carry around? That you're at fault? That that person passed away because of what you did. You lost your job because of what you did. The marriage fell apart because of you. The brokenness is there, the injustice. I mean, how do we use that with people who are just born with a certain skin color? Say it's your fault. How do we say that to a child that is abducted, taken away and trafficked? It's your fault. But karma, at the heart of karma, I'm just trying to bring you in a little bit. And some of you are like, oh man, I say what goes around comes around too much now. You might want to stop. I'm just pushing a little bit on your ideology. The heart of that, while they deserve it, you use that to group people groups with a they or those people because of what they did, they deserve it. You are admitting that you believe in karma. And if you want to live that way, that's fine. That's your prerogative. That's your worldview when it comes to evil, pain, and suffering. You did it. You deserve it. Too bad. So I offer you one more. Might be the most common. And just stay with me. It's, it's a little, little hard to connect dots, but we're gonna, we're gonna do our best here. Atheism. How does atheism, the belief that God's not real, relate to suffering. Well, what is atheism? At its most basic tense, and I know it is way more complex than this, but basically atheism says God doesn't exist. Yeah? Like there's just no God. So I don't believe in God. And oftentimes when it comes to evil, pain, and suffering, this is referred to as the rock of atheism. Meaning when you bring evil, pain, and suffering into the picture, if you have an atheistic worldview, you stand on this rock to say, look, I will prove to you that there is no God. There is no God because evil, pain, and suffering exist. So the presence of evil, pain, and suffering proves that God is not real. Now, here's my question to that, because we're connecting evil, pain, and suffering. We all see that, but we don't know if there's a God. So because this is here, this can't be. Without this, God how do you know what evil, pain, and suffering is? What's your objective truth to define evil, pain, and suffering without God? And we might say, well, I just know. I need to press a little bit there. How do you just know? Because there have been people throughout human history who believe that their actions were to benefit people groups or to benefit countries and if you press them, they would say, I'm just eradicating the weak and making a stronger society. What I'm doing is not wrong. I am strengthening humanity. But we will look and say, no, but as a collective, we see that wrong. So what does it take a majority to understand what's right and wrong? Because the majority shifts, yeah? yeah? Is the majority not shifting in our culture of what's right and what's wrong? So atheism is that God doesn't exist. But if you remove God from the picture, it gets a whole lot messier when it comes to evil, pain, and suffering. So these are just common worldviews. So then what is Christianity? Well, what did we read? It was in the first part. He says, in this world. So here's what Christianity has to say first when it comes to evil, pain, and suffering. Christianity affirms the existence of suffering and evil. That's actually pretty good for a worldview and a religion to do. Jesus doesn't show up that night and say, guys, there's no such thing as pain. I'm about to be nailed to a cross. It's not gonna hurt. There's no suffering. 
There's no injustice here. It's all good. I've got God. In fact, I am God. It's fine. This is so beautiful. You have to hear this. The Christian message and Jesus himself acknowledges the world is broken. You and I have varying degrees of suffering and pain and evil that we've experienced. We have losses, we have griefs, we have sorrows. And Jesus doesn't come by and just say, get over it. It's not that bad. He doesn't come by and say, well, it's your fault. He doesn't come by and say, no, no, this isn't an issue. Jesus first shows up and this is what he says. I know. In this world, there is trouble. And I just think that that is so invitational of our God, is it not? That he says to the world that he created. Now, when God created the world, we read in Genesis that he made mankind in his image, which means that you and I were created in the image of God. And one of the aspects of us being image bearers is free will. We have a choice. Just as God has the will, so we have the will in us. And when our wills coincide with the will of God, there's peace and beauty. And when our wills conflict, there's pain, evil, and suffering. So you look to the garden. Adam and Eve had a will. God had a will. And they conflicted. They said, we will do what we want despite what you say. And the result was evil, pain, suffering, and death. And so today, when we see evil, pain, and suffering, and brokenness around us, and happening in our relationships, in our friend circles, in all areas of life, we know this is a result of being in the world. Yeah. World's jacked up. It's a messy place. It's broken. Now, Jesus doesn't just stop there. I, I want to ask you, who here has ever heard of Christian karma? Probably no one, because I made up the term. I was hoping someone would raise their hand. Like, were you with me this week? So Christian karma, Christian karma. And, and I wrote my own definition for it. So allow me to read it. Christian karma, you're gonna wanna make a Wikipedia article of this, somebody. It's the idea that believers won't suffer, that only good things happen to Christians. If suffering comes, Christian karma says, pray it away, ask for forgiveness, check your faith level, throw some scripture at the problem, you shouldn't suffer. Christian karma. Christian karma says that if you're a follower of Christ, you should not have to endure the brokenness of this world. After all, you are saved, blessed, highly favored, and anointed in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Just throw Isaiah at that thing and believe a little harder. You shouldn't get sick. If you are, anoint yourself. They just do what you have to. It's Christian karma. And it sounds kind of comical in that sense, but how many have been victim to Christian karma before? Where a group of people have looked at you and said, well, the reason why you're going through this is why don't you put a few more dollars in the basket? It's manipulation of leadership. The reason why you're going through this is because you don't have enough faith. You gotta pray a little harder. You just gotta wait for that miracle to happen. Wow, that's heavy. That's a pretty big weight to carry around. And unfortunately, or fortunately, as we'll discover, Jesus says that is a lie. In this world, you will have trouble. Do you remember who he's speaking to on the night before he's gonna be crucified? His disciples, his followers, those who have given up their homes and families and 
all of their jobs to follow him. Believers, he's speaking to them and telling them, you are going to suffer. So here's the second point. Christians are not exempt from suffering and evil. So I just wanna be, I wanna lay all the cards out on the table this morning. No tricks up the sleeve, no manipulation. If a Christian or a pastor or a leader or someone has promised you, if you follow Jesus, your life will get easier and things will go better, someone lied to you. You gotta call them out on it. It is a gross mishandling of scripture. In fact, I would like to offer you this encouragement this morning. You will get sick. You will experience dysfunction in your relationships. You will be persecuted. Things will go wrong. You will suffer injustice. You will be a victim to evil. And one day you will die. Happy Sunday. God bless you. Dios bendiga. You know, the most faithful followers of Jesus did suffer, right? The most faithful. In fact, there's this passage in scripture and the author of Hebrews writes, we call it the hall of faith, the heroes of faith. Those who just, they had immense faith in God. And I want to show you what the author writes. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Here's what we read. How much more do I need to say? The author's been, been writing on for a while. He's been talking about the greats, Joseph and Jacob. All these, and he says, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. Can we hear it for Daniel? I mean, that was awesome. Sleeping with lions and didn't get bit quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle. They put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Now I would put that on a coffee mug. I would declare that every day. Keith, not even the stove's gonna burn you. Your cats won't scratch you anymore. If anyone dies, they'll come back to life. You are walking in favor problem is the author didn't stop writing. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the author continues to write, but others were tortured. I'm going to chill out at 35. 35A. Let's not read. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. I need you to remember that. They place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. But he keeps writing. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated, to which we all have the exact same response when we read that. That's not fair. Or in one word, here's the question that comes up as we talk about evil, pain, and suffering. Why? Why? How come... Some escaped death by the edge of the sword, but others were killed with the sword. 
how come I prayed for her to be healed and she wasn't, but that person doesn't even pray and they were healed? How come I lost my job and I give and I help others and they seem to live selfishly and they got promoted? Why? Why is there evil and injustice in this world? And I will offer to you a response that will not bring any peace to you. I don't know. I don't know. I can't sit or stand in this room, but I can't sit across a table from a family who loses a family member and offer any answers or responses except I don't know. I don't know. And the Christian faith doesn't try to offer us any responses, by the way. Allow me to read you these quotes, Tim Keller and Wade Bearden. Christianity does not provide the reason for each experience of pain. Understanding suffering means being willing to not always understand it. If you're looking for an answer as to why you are suffering, Jesus, the Christian faith, does not give you that direct answer. There is plenty of unknown when it comes to following God and trusting in him. And I would say there's the same level of unknown to responses of situations in any worldview. Karma, new age, atheism, you name it. No one can adequately, without any reservation or question say, ah, this happened because. We're limited in our thinking. And even if you and I try to offer some condolence and say, well, it must have been this, I've often found even in my shorter life, I'm usually wrong. That's not why this happened. That's not why my child was born this way. It's not why this person passed away. That's not why. But we have tension. So what does then Jesus and Christianity offer? Because up to this point, the message is pretty bleak. It's kind of heavy in here. Everyone suffers. I'm a Christian, don't worry. Christians suffer. Okay, so let's go back to the words of Jesus because there is something he offers that is not found anywhere else. He says this, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Look at what Jesus says here. He acknowledges the world is broken and he doesn't put the pressure on you to fix it. And he doesn't say, you caused it, you clean up your mess. He says this, you caused it, I'm cleaning up your mess. I'm overcoming the world. So allow me to say it this way. In moments when we feel overcome by suffering, we have the hope of looking to the one who has overcome it all. Sin at the beginning disrupts the perfect order that God has created the world in and breaks happen and dysfunction happens and evil, death and suffering spreads. And now whether the pain and suffering you are experiencing is a direct result of your choices, because please understand, and I think we can agree here, sometimes we choose to do really bad things and really bad results happen. Yes, we all understand that. Hey, but that's not, karma, that's called reality. 
You choose to speed past the police officer. It's not his fault that you got pulled over. You chose that. But there are other times in life where bad things happen and you know, I did nothing to do this and I did nothing to deserve this. Yes. And so the Christian faith says, God sees us in our brokenness and he comes to this world to offer us hope. Hope. Three words that are so important for you to understand that set apart Jesus from Buddha, Muhammad, Gandhi, Oprah. I mean, whoever it is that's influencing you in your life, this is what separates Jesus from them all. Three words. The first is this incarnation. Say incarnation. incarnation. The incarnation is the truth that God took on human flesh and came and walked among us. That holy creator God did not look at us and say, I will give you a set of rules to follow so that you can reach nirvana or enlightenment. You can find that elsewhere. God says, you don't need a set of rules to follow. You need a creator God that will come and walk in your place. That he knows your pain. I don't understand some of your level of pain because I haven't experienced it. Some of you are, are carrying cancer in your body right now. Some have lost family members to disease. Some have, have just the most broken of marriages, dysfunctional relationships. And we can look and say, I I'm trying to understand, but there is one who totally gets it all and his name is Jesus. He walked it. He lost people. He had relational breakdown with people. And the author of Hebrews tells us, that this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. He understands. The incarnation is such a beautiful aspect that is so unique to the Christian faith because the teaching tells us that God himself came to this world to walk among us. He gets us. He gets you. He weeps. He laughed. He, he understands. It's so beautiful that we have a God who says, I, I know, I know. And because he knows the brokenness of our world, he says, I will fix it. And here's how it's the second word, atonement. Would you say atonement? Atonement is understanding that your sin and my sin carries with it a wage and the wage is death that when we choose to disobey God, right? We talked earlier about the wills, when God's will is here and our will is here and they're moving together, it's beautiful, it's intertwined. But when God's will says, I have this plan for your life and you say, I understand, but I'm gonna do this, conflict. And when we disobey God, it's sin and sin leads to death. And God says, I will send my son to this world to pay the price for your sin. I will atone for it. I will die so that you might be forgiven and free. And here, here's the third word that we have to understand because if Jesus just dies and stays dead, he's like every other teacher in a sense, except for the third word, resurrection, that he resurrects. And we're gonna talk a whole lot more about that next week. Well, how can we know he resurrected? Well, how do you know George Washington cut a cherry tree? I'll be sassy next week, trust me. You don't wanna miss it. Jesus overcame death and the grave. His resurrection 
assures us of hope now, because now we walk in resurrection power, but of a resurrection that is to come. What did we say? There will be a day. We have this hope that all the sad things will come untrue, that death is not the end, that every injustice and every evil that you and I face, we understand God in some way is going to make it right. That is very good news. God has a plan for the pain, evil, and suffering that you and I go through. We have hope. So let me read to you one more time his words. I have said these things that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So watch this for the believer. Are we in the world? Yes. So we have trouble. We have pain. There's evil, there's suffering. Are we in Christ? So we have peace. And that is the unique response that Christianity offers when it comes to evil, pain, and suffering. That somehow we still suffer. We still see evil. We still experience injustice. We still weep. Oh, but blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. So we ask our questions to the Lord, why? And he gives us his peace. Because we have peace horizontally with the Father because of the incarnation, the atonement, and the resurrection. So may you and I today, with the evil pain and suffering that we will undoubtedly face in this life, know that as we face it, we have the peace of God that goes beyond understanding. This morning, we are gonna remember what it took for us to receive that peace. And that was Jesus dying on the cross shedding his blood and having his body broken. We're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper together today. And before we do, and before I provide instruction on how, I wanna pray for you. And I wanna pray with you. So I'll ask if you will just bow your head to provide a private space right now for all those in this space. And if your heart is so stirred and you say, Pastor Keith, I am experiencing pain and loss and suffering to such a great degree, or there's someone in my life that is, and I just want to experience the peace of God this morning, would you boldly with others in this room just raise your hand right now as a sign of we are all of us? I mean, this is just a human thing. We all know what it's like to have pain. And this is a moment where we are saying to God, I'm trusting in you. So Lord, I pray for those who right now have their hands lifted to you or hands open before you, saying there is so much evil, pain, and suffering, and we want to experience the peace of God. Lord, we know that your plans are good and that in some way, if not this side of the resurrection, our hope in the resurrection that you are going to make all the sad things come untrue and you are gonna right every wrong and every evil and injustice will be dealt with and all suffering will cease and there will be no more tears. And we ask for your peace right now. Peace that comes from God alone. In your name we pray, amen. I wanna invite you now that if you don't know Christ as your savior, that you have never called on his name, scripture says in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead, we will be saved. And if you don't know Jesus today, what a beautiful opportunity you have to respond to the gospel 
It is an invitation that says, believe in Jesus. All who call on his name will be saved. And in a moment as a church, we are gonna call on the name of the Lord. And power is not in prayer, power is in Jesus. He saves us. We create this moment, because maybe you've never prayed before. So you're saying, I wouldn't even know what to say. And so as a church, we are going to pray. And if you wanna know Jesus as your savior today, I invite you as we pray to just say in your own way, in your heart, God, forgive me, save me, rescue me. If you're making that declaration, it is so fitting as we pray for you to surrender and with your hand up to the Lord to say, Jesus, make me yours today. As a church, can we say this together? And if you wanna know Christ in this moment, lift your hand to the Lord and say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died and rose again so I could be forgiven. Thank you for new life. Today, I surrender mine. In your name, amen. Scripture says that when one person comes home to God, all of heaven rejoices. So Blaze Church, can we rejoice with heaven right now as people are putting their faith in Jesus?